Hey Corner Podcast, how are we doing today? We are going to be uploading and reviewing Invincible, the series, which is an animated series presented on Amazon Prime. Jeff Bezos got his money out of me this time because I invested so much time watching this series. I watched YouTube clips of it. I've just absolutely devoted and fell in love with this series. Um, I always kind of knew, I saw the memes kind of permeating around uh, going viral when the series first came out. <clears throat> One of the real reasons why I ended up watching the series was I saw a YouTube clip of one of the one not one of the extreme moments in this movie or in this TV series, but just a just a great moment. And I was like, okay, I have to turn this on. Ended up binge watching it in a day. Um, not proud of that fact because I wasted most of the fourth watching this. Like literally, I was late to going over to my brother's house because I continued to watch episodes. And I still rewatched the last episode two more times. The last two episodes two more times. I ended up rewatching um, the the reactions. I've seen it. I've uh, I've just devoted too much time to this, and I'm way too obsessed with this for my own right. So, with that being said, guys, where does this rank for me? I think that this is s tier it's an s tier series i thought this was as good as it really gets um the one qualm i have and the reason why this isn't maybe the best tv series i've ever watched is the animations through the first six and a half seven episodes or six to seven and like just halfway through episode seven weren't great now it wasn't that the animations itself were bad like the drawings were great and all that stuff it's just you could tell they were working on a little bit more strained budget for the first season just because of the 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 fact that some of the clips there they weren't there weren't as many necessarily drawings to show as fluid emotion with facial expressions and small tiny details and sometimes when they had a big fight scene coming up and things were getting intense you could see that the writers kind of like all right, that's where all of our money is going. So if you guys just kind of plot people in the background that like maybe aren't even hardly finished. Now, with all that being said, if you guys haven't watched this series and at all appreciate animated uh, cartoons or anything like that, you need to watch this. Do not listen to this because there are a million different spoilers that I'm going to talk about that I'm going to like talk about the father-son storyline and all of this. Now, maybe you know some of the memes, but I can convince you that the amount of twists and spoilers that this show kind of throws at you, um, not over the top for season one, but it, it is different. And I just wanted to say that, what's the best way to put it? I just wanted to say that this was originally in my mind with nothing to do with it is the best way to go in with it. Like, hey, this is a little bit different of a series and I kind of saw some clips, but if you go into this with too much knowledge, it kind of ruins the fun of the series for you. So please do not listen to this. Come back to this. I, I, I'm i not begging, but I'm saying it'd be awesome if you listen to this after watching the full series. It kind of would make it uh, a, a lot better. So what ends up happening in the first episode is you get introduced to the Guardians of the Globe. And you also get introduced to Omni-Man. So what ends up happening is two twins attack the White House and the Guardians of the Globes are like top end um, superheroes. Like they're saving all of the civilians. Like they're not, one dude risked his life to save a civilian. They're not throwing punches. They're not attacking um, until the civilians kind of escape. And that 
creates an air of like, oh, this is just like a prototypical superhero story. And then we get introduced to Omni-Man, who shows up later and then ends up helping save the last few people and ends up saving Darkwing, who is getting crushed underneath the tank and Omni-Man just picks it up with, you know, with one hand. So what ends up happening is we get introduced to Mark. Mark is Omni-Man's son. Omni-Man is also known as Nolan. And this father-son duo ends up playing like huge ramifications, but let me kind of just set up what, what, who Mark is. So Mark is nerdy, a little bit different, kind of stays to himself. And he sees, uh, the bully from school, Todd is bullying Amber Bennett, kind of sexually harassing her. Like, Oh, I know you want to go out with me, baby, put her hands on her. Mark stands up to him. He gets hit in the stomach and, you know, told to piss off. So, Mark ends up going and pissed off that he got in a fight and blah, 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 blah. He ends up going to work really pissed off and he takes out the trash at work. And while doing so, he uh, is lifting these bags out and Mark is a normal kid and Mark takes one of the bags and throws it into the space and he gets his powers and he tells his father that, Hey, I get my father's and, and I can be, you know, a, a, a person with you and I can do this. And they start their training and Mark basically goes through like the traditional superhero origin where he goes into a kind of a training time frame with his father where his father overextends him and there's a little bit of an argument like what the hell is going on and, and and then you kind of move into Mark trying to be a superhero and he fails spectacularly but still wins and then Mark ends up deciding to choose his name as Invincible to get his suit basically he's like hey the way that you can make a good suit is if you have a good name Invincible is his name and he comes up with a really good suit and then you find out and this is really where the storyline in the series takes a turn so if you're not like there's a there's an after edit there's an after the end credit scene which completely changes the universe and it's mark and uh it, it kind of pains off him after having his first kind of success and i'm invincible and it shows omni man right going to town on the Guardians of the Globe. And, I, and I'm telling you, like, he goes after Red Russian, right, who is basically the Flash uh, in the series. And it's kind of like a satire and also like, hey, we're going to kill what you expect to see out of superheroes. So the Guardians of the Globe are War Woman, right, Wonder Woman, Darkwing, which is a black Batman, Immortal, which is Superman, Red Rush, who is the Flash, Aquas, King of Atlantis, which is Aquaman. Martian Man, which is Martian Manhunter. And then Green Ghost, who is Green Lantern. Like, like, this is very closely aligned. And what ends up happening is Omni-Man, which you, I think you originally assume he's controlled. And this scene, like, if you've already watched it, is just, like you know, fucking incredible. When when he takes the, the, the heart out, or, or sorry, when he squeezes the the Russians, red red rush, his face, and you don't realize initially that he's moving in slow motion until you see red rush's hands like punching out, and you're like, oh yeah, he's moving incredibly fast, and everyone kind of swarming in around him, and he explodes it. Like that is the changing point in the series, and red rush is saving all these people, and then him going to town was fucking batshit crazy. He Darkwing, you're like, oh Batman, he's gonna be able to, you know throw defensive Superman attacks, right? This is basically Superman. Nope. 
his his brains get splattered. He he gets sent to the to the shadow realm, man, and, and then he throws Darkwing into to uh, Green Ghost, and then fucking Omni Man punches straight through Green Ghost's fucking forehead. Then Aquarius or whatever water sponges him, takes him down, and Martian Man and wraps himself around him, and you know Immortal and. War Woman are going after, punching the shit out of him, and you're like, okay, this is this is it. Whatever's happening is, and then he breaks out of the the hold. Then he hits War Woman out of the air, grabs her fucking hammer, destroys Aqua uh, Aquarius face off. Martian Man jumps on him to wrap him up. He rips Martian Man's heart off. He then. Punches through Immortal. Through. Square through his cavity. War Woman jumps up. And he grabs her by the head. And twists her head backwards. And she coughs. Like, you guys. That was the fucking best goddamn fight. Most gory, intense, animated bullshit I've seen in so long. And then Omni-Man cuts Immortal's head off. As he's asking why. And it was just the best representation of two things, right? Two things. And if you didn't get this, I hope you did. But this is what would happen if the superhero universe took itself seriously. Like, this is how real fights happen between super immortal, impossibly strong people, right? It's not like, oh, a few punches. Oh my God, we got to be PC for the comic books. And on, on, on top of that, this isn't your guardians of the globe. This isn't your fairy tale everyone tries to save people. This is your someone gets their fucking head ripped through, their their head cut off, and their head turned fucking backwards. Like, holy shit. Holy shit. <clears throat> I think next is a really, really good indication of where the universe kind of translates next. And we can talk about the demon, but I really want to talk about the next episode. So there's a demon that ends up coming around in the next episode. But I I, I want to state what happens. So the Global Defense Agency, who's you know, who had Guardians of the Globe, Global Defense Agency, Guardians of the Globe, they basically team up on nurses, Nolan back to health, but they fail to get everyone else, and Cecil Stedman, who is the leader of this global defense, informs Mark and his mother that interdimensional or extra-dimensional aliens attack. And Mark gets his first live battle against, like, hey, you have to save the world. And it's this great exposition. What ends up happening is Mark fails a bunch, right, as you guys know. And then you really see the hint after the Flaxons continue to return and re continue to return, you see the hint of craziness that Omni-Man has. Omni-Man comes back to health, and <clears throat> the Flaxons wouldn't leave him alone. So Omni-Man flies into their dimension, and he destroys their world. Like, like he isn't just like, hey, you need to leave us alone. He destroys the fucking world, guys. And the best indicator of that, and the best kind of resolution that you kind of get are, are twofold. So, first off, you have the, the hilarity 
of Immortal, right, Mark, talking with his mother, Debbie, like, hey, dad had to go through an extra-dimensional thing, when is he going to be back? Oh, that's just another Tuesday, he's going to be late home for dinner. He's probably just explaining to the aliens nicely, you know, how to leave us alone. And then you just get the clip that the, the alien that continued to return, he's running his head through all of their buildings, and then he was moving so fast that the landscape below him was just departing, and it was like, this dude is a fucking villain. This dude is a fucking monster. This guy isn't isn't a hero. He he's a he's a goddamn monster. And then he flies back home and act like he didn't just fucking destroy the world. Later in the episode, <clears throat> you end up uh, getting a really really funny interaction. And what ends up happening, and this ends up playing for a lot more later, so I want to bring it up now, was the interaction with Urath and Earth. So this guy who, who who's coming through on the Coalition of Planets ends up mistaking Earth for Urath. Now you're like, oh, that's just a stupid, dumb mistake. But think of how many times you've possibly been sent to the wrong address, misread an address. Let's say there's two planets that both hold water. Let's say they're in different dimensions and that's why they're named that. And it was just this funny incident where Alan the Allen, voiced by Seth Rogen, has a talk where Mark's like, call time out. And that is the the comedy that makes this show so, so good. It's just this relief moment where you get all this destruction and all this, and you get, oh, we're going to be in a fight. And Mark calls timeout, timeout, timeout. Can we just talk about this? The guy's like, uh, yeah, is, are you using your timeout? What's going on? And then he's like, you're talking about Urath, right? He's like, no, that's Earth. With an E? Yes. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's just really, really, really funny that if you look back at the interaction, the first time that uh, Omni-Man must have fought this guy, he must have beat him to fucking pulp. And it took him three years to come back because he's like, yeah, these guys are, have good defenders. And he didn't at all begin to question him. And this is the first time where we see Mark kind of diverge from who his dad is as individuals as Mark keeps asking to talk and does that. And because of that, he just like understands that it's Earth instead of Urath. So the next part of the of the show is the Global Alliance Force coming forth that the Guardians of the Globe are dead. And <clears throat> it also shows Nolan commenting, right? You see him kill all these people, and he's like, yeah, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And you're like, all right, I'm starting to question who Nolan is. And at the same time, you get Darkblood, who's a demon detective, who already was suspicious Right? Seven dead or however many dead. Yeah, seven dead, but one knocked unconscious. That seems awfully weird, right? But I think on a more important note, looking back at this series, it really just shows the the disdain and hatred that Omni-Man faced, because not not at one point was he like, yep, it was the wrong thing to do. He he knew what he was doing. He, he knew that there was no other choice, right? That there was no other understanding, no other way to handle it. He, he knew that if I want to get my prize at the end, I, I have to do this. Next up, we get introduced to Teen Team, 
Robot and all of the girls. We also get introduced to Shrinking Ray, uh, Monster Girl, and Black Samson as they start to form the team. Um, Teen Team kind of gets put out in Season 2 where they help Mark. But on the real end of things, we kind of get a new understanding of... The, the universe is because we're like, hey, we got to immediately change and immediately fill this void. We can't have all these supervillains, all these crazy people undermining us. And I, I think the, the best way to kind of look at Teen Team is that they were meant to be ridiculous and they are ridiculous, but almost all of them make the cut. And Rex Splode um, in this third thing ends up getting with um, Replicate and it was really funny and it was kind of like more adult which makes it like okay that makes sense but more adult because Rexplode and and that thing is like he was always kind of a douchebag in the fandom and popularity of him being on Team Team him and Adam Eve were dating and, and then he just threw it all away to be with multiple Kates which is kind of gross but also like if you could you would right like, if you came into someone who could do multi, like, you'd definitely be with more than one, right? That, that, that's not just me that's saying that. And then we get kind of to the crux of the point of the character is that Rex Splode apologizes and thinks that Eve is going to just take him back. And when Eve refuses, seeks out Mark, that was like an opportunity to have like a romance between, oh, the superheroes, but Mark is with <clears throat> Amber. And it's this great moment where Mark kind of gets his payoff. Eve kind of gets her payoff where she's like, yeah, he's in a better place. And they kind of hint like, hey, there could be something. She thought Mark was maybe cute or whatever. But it also didn't hint that she wanted anything more because she didn't like bust in. Why are you with her? Blah, 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 blah. Um, With Robot's Unseen Help, you kind of get the whole entire storyline with the Maulers, the Mauler twins. And... The Maulers end up escaping when one of them sacrifices the other, leaving the twin debate and who's the replicant uh, kind of up for debate. And I think at this point in the series, you kind of get all these storylines that are moving at the same time. They get moving in the same direction, and that's what I really love is what not only this, but I love the payoff of the storylines. So Robot's storyline is really freaky for a long time because you're like, what the fuck is Robot? He's trying to gain sentience. They build bodies. And you see that for a really, really long time. Sorry, I'm jumping way ahead. And then by the end of the series, you find out that he meets Monster Girl and live and wants to choose to be in a body. So that he can be with her because he loves her and he wants to find a cure for her ailment of being, every time she shrinks, she's she turns younger. A week younger or whatever it is. She's supposed to be 24, but she's only like 16 or something like that or 14 maybe. And it's this really cool, unique power and Robot is, is in pain constantly and he becomes a clone in hopes to kind of escape those feelings. And what ends up happening is he has to kill his old self in a literal and figurative way when his old self is literally this shrunken, shriveled body who's a genius. And he still has all of his robot powers and he just jumps in a robot suit. And I think that's a really fun, cool way to kind of play with the misconception of, hey, 
there's not going to be this whole entire newfangled idea. It's going to just kind of be how, how we expect things to go. Moving on, um, we get uh, uh, two things. We get the... <clears throat> Sorry. We get Mark going to space on his first real long-time trip mission, and he fails spectacularly. And you get a massive storyline set up for parasitic squids that are a single hive mind that ends up taking the astronauts, one of the astronauts, alive, and then shadows the astronauts, so the hive mind is going to be on Earth. And then what ends up happening... Is Nolan and Debbie vacation into Rome to rekindle their relationship? He understands that he's been hiding things from Debbie, and he, Debbie also knows that he she he's been hiding things. So he tries to do this fun thing while Mark's gone. We're gonna have this awesome time, and that is when Cecil realizes Nolan is the killer, but he cannot understand why he did it, and so he's kind of biding his time trying to see why did he do it why did he do it why did he do it and that's where dark blood keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and nolan pushes back on cecil and what ends up happening is that cecil gets cast into hell but debbie he hit a notepad there and this is also a huge thing where debbie ends up becoming someone that you feel sorry for at the beginning like oh she's just this normal wife that kind of gets pushed around and she has no idea and then you feel good for her for finally standing around and then the end you're sad again with the whole entire yeah i love her like a pet i'm gonna kind of just combine episodes five and six because you kind of just get backgrounds and understandings of what's going on and it's all a setup for seven and eight and what ends up happening is that Nolan goes off the deep end. Debbie finds out that he's the killer. And Nolan's ready to kick some dicks in. Omni-Man is ready to kick some dicks in. And I don't know who volunteered for the job, but the people on the global protection agency that was invisible in his house that thought they could bring him down, like, what the fuck are you... Like, Cecil, you're trying to get people killed. And Omni-Man detaches some people he throws a gun through the middle of their stomach he pushes one dude over like uh, uh an island and the guy gets cut in half like he pushes a woman out of the front door she's crawling away her hips are completely turned around as she crawling away and then he sees their building kills her runs after all of them and then yeets them to the next realm and the funny thing is is that's to make the explosion right and i think the the really wild thing is that at no point in time did Cecil ever overestimate the abilities of Omni-Man. Like, at no point in time did anything he throw at him, he always said, this will keep him down for a few hours, this will keep him down for a while, this will have to stop him and slow him down. None of it ever did. It was like a candy day for, for, for Omni-Man. And that's when we really get to the, the fun part. So... Immortal's corpse gets revived and the the Maulers end up reviving him and he goes after Nolan. And in doing so, we end up seeing Omni-Man and Invincible, Mark, father and son, fight this giant kaiju who has all of his nerve pains basically blocked and he's stronger and they, they just genetically modified him. And what ends up happening is that 
Mark and Nolan are trying to fight this thing. Omni-Man, or sorry, Mark and Nolan, and Mark is continuing to struggle um, with him. While what ends up happening to Nolan is Nolan is fighting this thing with his son, trying to protect him, and then an immortal comes back and is like, Omni-Man, why'd you do this? And they get in a huge fight, and he's like, I don't have time for this, I'm trying to save my son, just half bothering with the fight. And then when he rips him in fucking half, guys, when he rips him in half, and you're really like, this dude is built different, like maybe a surprise attack, but when he gets surprise attacked, nothing really even bad happens except his eyes get gouged out and it makes him a little red eyes, and then he splits him in fucking half, bro, when he splits him in fucking half, bro, banana bread at work, dude. Sorry, that made me remind myself of that. But you also see Mark here, and Mark gets a huge, like, boost. He helps defeat this thing. You, you kind of see his role as he's getting stronger, and he's becoming more able, and he's becoming more, more, um, invincible. And then jumping back here, right? Because you got to remember, before this fight, one of the last times we see Mark, is he gets yeeted, bro. He He's as close as you can to kind of getting yeeted into the next realm when he goes after um um sorry one second yeah so mark ends up teaming up with titan to defeat a mob boss machine head and there's this huge fight and he goes against the battle beast and the battle beast hammers him to death like hammers him to death like, the only way he survives is because this, this show needed to continue to have a plot. Because he got fucking beat. Like, once when you saw Invincible kind of doing the thing, and you're like, oh my god, they're taking down all these villains. And then you just see, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And this man is laying a war hammer square on Mark's chest, and you're like, oh my god, he, he's gonna die. And you see Omni-Man, who told Mark, hey, you shouldn't do this. People are using and abusing you. And Mark says, no, I think this is the right thing to do. And he says, just, and Omni-Man says, promise me you won't. And he says, yeah, I promise. But in the back of mind, he's like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. Fuck my dad. And you see Rundance is the Omni-Man kind of sitting in there being like, you should have fucking listened. And that's another hint at like, oh my God, this motherfucker's crazy. Let the sun get beat to death. But what we end up understanding is that in the last episode, Viltrum is a giant empire. So the place that Omni-Man, right, and every all of his peoples come from is a giant empire. And their goal is to... Ins- uh, I want to use the word enslave, but I'm going to use the word um, authoritarian regime people? Because, like, I don't think they want people to be slaves to them. They just want no one to fight back, right? They just want an authoritarian leadership... So that way, when they bring all this power to them, that people live under their rules and guidance and that they can, you know, prosper in the right way and so that none of the Viltrumites get killed. And it kind of, Mark is like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? I was raised in in, in Earth. Like, you're not going to yeet these people just because you think so. And that's when Mark and Omni-Man get after it. And when I say Mark and Omni-Man, I mean at... Omni-Man beats the shit out of him. And I thought this was tremendous because Mark has gotten his ass beat the entire show. And if you're building up Omni-Man to be this next next level, you know, super villain, you can't have him do well. Like, you really can't have Mark put up much of a fight. And 
there was the point in the show, and I don't know if you guys also felt this, and I'm not trying to summarize. I'm really just trying to like speak out points. But and then at the end, I'm gonna review the points. But when he runs a train on him, like when he runs him through a train, like you got ran by a train, like he this motherfucker in the middle of Chicago headbutts his son down into the underground system. Doesn't let Mark help people, holds his head up, and proceeds to make a train go through his fucking face as all the people get graphically killed in clear animation. Like, I was like, this show's different. And it was so good because Omni-Man is not someone you can save. And that's what the show is, is like... You guys want all these heroes and you want all these villains who never fucking do it. Who never like literally say, no, humans don't matter. I will kill all of them. You want some like foreboding, I understand life is beyond me. No, no, no. This is a motherfucker who who got a train ran through his fucking forehead by his father. And he just keeps beating him. And then the ending scene where he's beating him into a pulp. Like, literally into a pulp. He caused an avalanche on his son's forehead. He throws him against the mountain. He beats him into a pulp. And in Invincible, Mark is like, I'm still fighting up. I'm, I'm still doing it. And Omni-Man's just trying to tell him, like, hey, there's no reason. There's no reason. There's no reason. Why are you staying? Why are you fighting? Why are you fighting? And he's like, fuck it. I'm done. And he's like, 17 years. I can create another one. Who cares? I can make another son if I have to fucking wait. And... You kind of get the idea, and I've talked about this a lot, about an immortal life changing you. Is that it makes humanity, specifically, you know, especially when you're not even from here, but humanity seem different and seem minuscule and seem ridiculous that you don't even give a damn if you kill people. And it wasn't even like he wasn't giving a damn. He was actively going after and trying to kill people. So... You kind of see this change of pace is that Omni-Man's a normal guy the entire time. And he gets transformed at the end of episode one to killing the Guardians of Globe. And you're like, oh, it must have been a mistake. It must have been this, there, or that. And then, like, his actions slowly reveal themselves. And you find out that, like, he's a totalitarian, authoritarian dickhead. And what his main goal is, is to make sure that he could breed with someone. And he calls Mark's mom a pet. He insinuates that he, he or he doesn't insinuate. He says he loves her like a pet. And Mark is like, the fuck did you just say, bro? The fuck did you just say? And he's like, you had to have loved my mother. You, you had to care about her. She matters. And he's like, in the long run of things, son, she really doesn't. Because I'm going to outlive this world and you're going to outlive this world. He's like, this life has been a speck in my eye. And that's literally what I've talked about is that like, it makes you more hardened and you forget what life is about. Like, you're not watching people get old and die. All of your friends are getting, you know, destroying worlds, conquering worlds. And it comes to the point where, like, Mark is a one punch, maybe two punches away from death. Omni-Man has knocked his teeth out. And there's a flashback. And this flashback bent me, bro. It literally was like... <sniffs> I don't know about you guys, but when you see Mark's face in... in uh, I'll use his name here. Nolan lifting up his son and smiling into his face and then transitioned his, his son's face fucking beaten near to death. And he's like, Mark, why won't you just listen to me? In 500 years, everyone you know will die. What will you have? What will you have? And he's like, 
right, he's like dying. His blood is filling up. He's like, I'll have you. I'll have you, Dad. <coughs> and it's like, that shit broke me. I almost bawled my fucking eyes out. I was, I was, I, I feel him now just thinking about it. Like, that is how cinema is supposed to work. You don't have sellouts. You have characters who have core beliefs and believe in them dearly. Like, Omni-Man still truly believes in Voltrum. And Invincible, this dude doesn't fucking bend to anyone. This man is getting beaten to death by his father, who's just relenting and saying, just join me and I'll stop. Just join me and we can conquer the world. We can conquer the universe. And he's like, you will not kill my friends. And that is just so fucking unbelievably great. That is the point. That is the, the mission, man. And this show is just, it fucking twists you on your insides. And I don't even want to talk about the end scene, like the near end credit scene, where Mark ends up going to talk to uh, Alan the Allen, and you find out that he's like, hey, dude, I needed to let you know that... Uh, a Viltramite was protecting your planet. He's like, yeah, I know I'm part Viltramite and you have all that, which this show at its core is super gory, right? I, th I think overly gory to prove a point that every other comic and every series has always been way under gory and, and way fake. And there's no, you know, when I knock over a building, fucking 40 people are in that, that building died and you get to see them in this show. And then on, on top of that, you get the reality of that people don't just learn powers overnight. That that the the point of having a superhero grow up movie and, and having this is that they don't just inherit their powers and figure out how to be the strongest motherfucker. Like Mark got beaten by a dude who's thousands of years old and trained to kill. Like that wasn't an accident. And and what we see is a need for growth for Mark. Like, bro, the he was he literally could have killed you at any point. Like, he could have ripped you in half. He could have cut off your head, probably. He could have done whatever he wanted. He was trying to beat sense into you, and that's the only reason why you lived. There's That's the only reason why it was a fight and not just a murder. Is because he's trying to, like, thank his son. And then at the end, he was still trying to beat the, beat the point into you. And then you broke him. And he broke himself. And he flies away with a tear in his eye. Which I thought was also perfect because it tried giving you a hint of his humanity, which he found here, which is what, this is what humanity is. And he's like, I found humanity. And you end up finding out that Viltrum is literally this empire that would literally destroy a world compared to losing the world. Even if you fight back, they'd rather just destroy your planet. And the post credit scene or not the post credit. I keep saying that, but like the ending of the credits where you get all the storylines that get kind of like pushed out and, and flushed out where you get um, characters and in, in, in people that get pushed into the to the next step. You're like, yep, all this can happen in season two or season three with the Martians and the parasitic mind with the, the, the beast dude who's chopping up people. You get Titan and that storyline. You get all the, just all the goodies, bro. Just all the... And I think at the end, what I, sorry about that. What I really enjoy about this show is I know a main character is going to get killed off. And I know I'm going to probably come on here someday, maybe if I'm still making podcasts when it comes out, 
and rant and let you guys know it's bullshit. And I'm going to tell you right now, and you can hold me accountable, is that is the reason why shows are good. Is because it's not this bullshit, hey, we're going to make sacrifices and no one sacrifices shit. It's going to be real. It's going to show you blood and gore and all the killing that happens. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be real world. It's not going to be just a fantasy world. And I understand that fantasy world is has a time and place. And I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And don't get me wrong. They don't do anything wrong. But it's just a cheap. It's cheap in the sense of if I can make a point by no one dying and no one sacrificing and no one paying a cost... What point am I fucking making? And just the relationship with Mark and and Nolan and just the fact that you get it kind of all played out in front of you. Mark's frustration with, you know, the resentment of his father almost like, yeah, I should have raised you as a Viltrumite and I raised you as a human and that's my fault. And Mark's just trying to punch him. And the last time Mark throws a punch, Omni-Man, it doesn't even hit him. Like, like Omni-Man, it just hits his face and stops. Like, and you can kind of tell that Omni-Man's like, all right, I'm done fucking playing games. The the, the, they, the gag is over. You need to listen now, and I'm going to fucking beat you senseless until you fucking understand where I'm at. And I think the supporting cast was great. I think Adam Eve is going to be a super fun character. She can rearrange Adams. That's super cool. Um, the way that she, like, kind of ended the season was like, hey, I'm going to kind of do my own thing and save the world and do all this. And I'm so excited for season two. Amber... Honestly, didn't talk about her much. I thought that storyline was lackluster. I think that's the only storyline that I didn't really jump into, that I didn't really like. It, it was just like, okay, that's that's where I guess that's where we're going with this. Um, one shout out too that I gotta make. Uh, I'm gonna be wrapping this up here, but J.K. Simmons guys was the best voice actor this entire series, and he was great, and his character was great. And I know we're not gonna get him for season two. Uh, probably at all because you have all these other storylines, but it is very frustrating because of how great he was and the fact that he was jacked in Tomorrow War. With that being said, I think that this series has a lot of legs. I think hopefully next year, whenever the new stuff comes out, I'm going to fucking pour into this day one. I may let all of it come out. That way I can watch it and binge it, but this is this was fucking fantastic. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, my breakdown was trying to be a little bit more in-depth, try to bit, be a bit more like, yeah, the characters, they have their points. I also thought it was funny, another point, sorry, is, is like, oh, I didn't even know you are a superhero. And it's like, yeah, you wouldn't think a superhero was in your school. And she doesn't even wear a mask. And then people who are in their mask, like, it was just super, super funny that all of these people in all these different times are like, yeah, I'm a superhero. Yeah, I'm a superhero. And no one can kind of tell. And then you meet Titan, who's literally whole entire face and body is covered in rocks. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. But I thank you guys, as always, for listening. A double upload today. We're going to get back onto a crazy schedule until next week, which I'll probably tell you, yep, we're going to be back to a normal schedule, and then I'll fuck it all up somehow. But I thank you guys, as always. Uh, K Corner Podcast is out. Like, share, let your friends know the corners have been painted.